Hello again, and uh, welcome to our show on all things supplier diversity, uh, brought to you by Remote uh, Video Production. And if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, uh, with ASL Interpretation by Maple Communications Canada. And I'm so excited today to talk to someone that I, I really consider a friend, and uh, we're, we're, I guess, acquaintance friends, we're work friends, um, but we end up on the same video <laughs> chatting with each other often or on the phone. Uh, and so I really enjoyed getting to know her, but I'm super glad to have her here today because now I can ask some and find out a little bit more, maybe some personal questions or just get to know her a little better. So uh, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Kayla Majuk from Bell or Bell Canada. We've been talking about the best way to say it. Turns out you can say it either way. Uh, so Kayla, thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I've heard Kayla talk about how she's a she's a listener to our podcast, so I'm excited to have her on as a guest, and 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 hoping she you, hoping you feel a little bit that way too, Kayla. Oh yeah, thank you so much for having me, and uh, yes, I'm equally very excited to be part of on this <laughs> side of the podcast. It's uh, I, I was telling the team earlier that it's it's so helpful for the corporates to have more content, uh, whether that be learning from other corporates from the certifying you know bodies or, or even just from the suppliers to hear their stories. So uh, very grateful oh. to, to be on both sides. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's great feedback to have. And I appreciate that. That's It's so cool when you learn about some of the little thing that you're doing or some little thing that you start off and it has far reaching effects. So I, I do have that experience often with IWSCC. And I suppose I should mention that I'm Deidre Guy with the Inclusive <laughs> Workplace and Supply Council of Canada, uh, or our, our acronym will be IWSCC moving forward because it's a heck of a lot shorter. And what we do is we um, we find and, and certify businesses that are owned either uh, by veterans or uh, by people with disabilities here in Canada. And we certify them as diverse business owners. And then we create opportunities for them to network with people like Kayla uh, from Bell uh, because she's, well, as you're going to learn, she works in that area where she would be talking to our diverse suppliers. So uh, that's kind of what we do. So Kayla, without uh, taking up any more time, let's get started. Tell us a little bit about about you and, and what you're doing currently right now. Yeah, um, so at Bell, I'm the Supplier Diversity Program Manager. So I would say that I wear probably multiple hats. So anything from strategic planning, like research, anything that we can put in place, different projects to help evolve the program, uh, to managing the actual relationships with the certifying, um, you know, councils, and you know, working with the diverse suppliers as well, uh, to the communications, mostly with a focus on advocacy, like awareness, education, and then you know, obviously anything reporting <laughs> that kind of falls under you know me in, in the team as well. And you know, in general, I would say that my main job too is to work with with you know, our internal stakeholders as closely as possible, really to help shine a light on the certified diverse suppliers internally at Bell and hoping to bring a little bit more visibility and, and access to opportunity. So that sounds like a lot. Uh, do you have a team? Are you on your own? How does how does that, you know, do you have support? I mean, that sounds like a lot of work to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's lots of fun. I, I think like most organizations, yeah. this program starts, you know, small and then grows. So I'm very grateful and proud to say that I'm Bell's first full-time employee to this program, uh, which is wonderful news. It's 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 really, really great. Um, I'm obviously supported by my senior manager, Debbie Resendez-De Silva, and we have... Uh, 
uh, my team member who's working part-time, Eva Pereira, who is absolutely wonderful. So um, lots of work that our team is doing. It's, uh, it's not done alone by any means. And like none of the program would be possible without all of the champions and support of, you know, obviously Bell's procurement team and all the champions that were kind of, you know, developing throughout Bell. It's a very big company, but um, as you know, even just for Bell's reputation, there's such a culture of inclusion. And so supply diversity is a piece of it that I think is still newer to the company. But mm-hmm. as soon as people hear about it, they're like, oh, that just makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of jump on board. So it's, it's really a question of awareness and, and kind of increasing that engagement. So it's kind of an easy sell once you get in front of the right people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that does make things a little bit easier then. For sure. And what, like, what led you to this? Because you're, you're relatively new in this position. And so what did you do before? And, and why did you decide to take this on? Um, it's a good question. I kind of like stumbled across supplier diversity. I was a couple years in at Bell, uh, started in more of the marketing space. Um, but in terms of like my schooling, I did business. Uh, and, and ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to work in the diversity and inclusion space. And so when I came across supplier diversity, I, I was like, oh, again, easy sell. This makes a lot of sense. And I think it mixed like this beautiful match between business and economic growth and opportunity to like diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And so it kind of paired the two beautifully. I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, But yeah, like I'm sure we'll get into it later, but I think my my background and kind of my like young adult life really influenced, I guess, my desire to, to work in this space in general, but it's always been a passion of mine. And and so I always like to ask this. I think of any almost everyone that I uh, that I have on the podcast who's related to supplier diversity. What is supplier diversity in, in your definition? What does it mean to you when someone says supplier diversity? You know, what's your what's your elevator pitch for supplier diversity in terms of what it is? I think I see supplier diversity as twofold. I think of like the business case about supplier diversity. I really think about the fact that it is such a significant. Uh, mutually beneficial business strategy for not only large, you know, organizations, corporations, governments, but also the suppliers that are, you know, being positively impacted. But I think I just love the depth of how it goes a layer further of supporting the communities that this economic growth and opportunity positively impacts as well. Like I think of, of Bell and the fact that Supply diversity is you know, not only a huge value to us and enabling us more access to innovative concepts so that we can do better you know, products and services for our clients, but it also helps us better reflect and celebrate like our society's rich diversity and build more of an equitable uh, and prosperous future for everyone from like a mm-hmm. corporate standpoint and use our influence. Um, that's one side. <laughs> if I personally think about the human side of supplier diversity, I, I get blown away by all the stories that I hear from the certified diverse suppliers and their experiences. And I think about generational success and the potential for like social and economic progress that supplier diversity has to offer. Um, and I really think about community because like no matter who I meet, whether it be on the corporate side or the supplier side, we're all working towards the same vision and it feels really special to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, the the stories are very cool. Um, and and it, it just does such an impact long term. And, and I love the fact that it's not, 
It's not like pandering. It's not a handout. It's not anything like that. It's, it's companies choosing to spend their money that they're going to spend anyway. They're going to now spend it and make conscious decisions about how they spend their money and wh- how does that have long-term snowball effects. And, and that's something I talk about often on supplier diversity panels is that, that economic snowball that happens, that as a, as a company who chooses to do business with diverse-owned businesses may not even think about or see, but as that business grows, then they start to diversify their supply chain. They start to buy more things in general. They hire people within their same uh, diversity group in many cases. So it, it really has this fantastic uh, snowball effect that that really it's not a handout in any way. I mean, these suppliers still have to work hard for what they're doing. Like everything has to be in place. They don't, you know, it's not like, oh, okay, you're, you know, you're part of this uh, marginalized group. So we're just going to hand you the work, even though we think you can't do it. No, that's not the case. People have to go through the same rigor. So, so that's great. So, so Kayla, a little bit off track and then we'll sort of get back onto the supplier diversity topic, but I just want to learn a little bit more about you as a human. I mean, you were away to Boston this weekend. I know you do lots of traveling. And so t- tell us a little bit more, something that's that's unique and kind of cool that, that you that you are or you do. Um, I would say that I'm a very like physically active person. I really love the outdoors. I've more recently got into endurance sports. Um, but if I refer back to my, my childhood sports endeavors, it's kind of the opposite of what I did. I have a, um, a secret or a not so secret background um, in competitive sport. I did huh? Taekwondo for 16 years, um, which oh my is gosh. like kind of the opposite of an endurance athlete, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by the age, you know, before the age of 20, I had competed in three world championships, winning seven medals, three of which were gold. And so my, uh, I guess my childhood and my, my young adult years were, were quite unique. And uh, I, I think, I lived a lot of highs in those years and, yeah. you know, sprinkled in. I, I also lived a lot of lows. And, and so I, I think that the complexity of, you know, growing up and, and having a mix of, of experiences really shaped who I am today. Um, yeah. But that's my little secret is my, my secret sports background. <laughs> well, I had no idea I was going to uncover such a gem. <laughs> and I don't know. I think I would argue with you about Taekwondo being endurance, but, but I, I, uh, I've not done uh, more martial arts. Uh, my ex was very accomplished in um, taijutsu. Um, so he, I understood what it took for him to get to that point and be able to endure the hits and the punches and all the bruises and everything, you know, that conditioning that you have to do. I mean, that, you know, I saw what he did, like, <laughs> that wasn't easy either. So congratulations. No. And so what are you doing for endurance sports? Uh, I would say like trail running, but, but oh, like okay. 25 kilometers and more yeah. so yeah. um instead of you know competing for for a few minutes at a time at a really really high intensity now yeah. it's you know longer out for you know several eight hours and yeah and uh enduring the nature's harsh realities well and that's so fun and it's great on the body because you're you're using all different muscles anyways i don't i don't want to carry on about ranting on that but uh i you know i i enjoy that too i shouldn't say running so much as i get older but uh certainly hanging out and and going through and was something i did i grew up in the country right so that's one of the things we had to do out of you know maybe the four so so we did a lot of that so listen tell, tell us a bit about uh bell's um supplier diversity program or initiatives and um you know some some background and where it's at now yeah so bell's program was established in 2014 and i'm I'm really proud of where where it's at now uh 
there's people before me that worked on this this program extremely hard, uh, Debbie Resendez de Silva being one of them. And, you know, there's acknowledgement that we still have a lot of work to do, but I'm, I'm excited about the direction that we're taking. I think in the past few years, you know, this year included some of the things that we've been really focused on are optimizing our data, improving our reporting processes to kind of help with the longevity and the efficiencies of our program, uh, as well as building our awareness and engagement of the program company-wide as there's this this kind of like new wave of excitement around it. And, and so we're trying to capitalize on that as much as possible. And I think on the other side of it, we're trying to help the certifying organizations and help other corporations also push the narrative of supplier diversity to help grow it in Canada. So the end of last year, we launched our tier two reporting program. So working with a, a select group of our large tier one suppliers and inviting them to support supplier diversity, or if they're already supporting, you know, enhance their commitment and, you know, it helps, you know, mutually keep each other accountable but also help push the you know the message forward and uh you know do our best to collaborate with with some of the certifying councils as well we're constantly in a state of learning right now and so we're we're very grateful to have the support of the certifying councils as well as a lot of the other corporations that are you know constantly attending different events and sharing their experiences because you know, those moments are what help us bring our program to the next level, little by little. And uh, yeah, it, organizational change does not happen overnight, but uh, it's it's going in a good direction. Yeah, and that sounds great because you're doing sort of that almost grassroots approach, like, but top down, but still it's, and that's what you, that's what we always talk to organizations about is, you know, you have to work from the top, but you also have to make sure that everybody is aware of it and knows it and gets behind it. It just becomes a culture in the organization. And that's not easy to do, certainly with a, an animal as big as, as Bell Canada. So. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, and, and, and talking to the tier ones, um, you know, and having them talk to the people they purchase from, uh, I think is really important because not all diverse suppliers are capable with, of doing business with an organization the size of Bell, but they can do business with who you do business with, who you buy your things from, or maybe exactly. who that company buys their things from, and hence the, the terminology for the tiers. So so I I asked you to come here on our podcast sort of as a result of a, a conversation you and I were having in one of our regular meetings uh, about the, the concept of third-party certification as part of the supplier diversity world versus uh, a self-identification. So so. Maybe if, if you can take a minute and just describe those two and what, what the difference is between them uh, so that, you know, so, so folks who aren't necessarily familiar with the supplier diversity world can understand better what we're talking about. Yeah, so self-identification would represent, let's say, through a survey or through, let's say, a public directory or uh, it could just be, you know, through self-declaration on an, an email of saying, hi, I'm woman-owned, uh, this, this is me, and like that, that's it. Um, it's kind of taking your word for it, I suppose. Um, and difficult to get visibility to unless someone has gone out of their way or if you have processes set in place to try and find uh, these suppliers. The, self, the, the certification piece is really geared towards the certifying organizations and councils that are put in place that have criteria, processes, structures to actually go through the extra level of verifying and certifying these businesses as in fact being owned and controlled by whatever diversity type that organization represents. And so it, it really, for corporations at least, it allows that 
kind of level of security, legitimacy, and fairness when we're talking about supplier diversity. Um, I think there's people that probably have different opinions on this. I like to think about third-party certification as the roadmap to longevity and growth of supplier diversity. I think like anything really, without standardized criteria, consistent regulation, um, ethical processes, I think things become difficult to track, maintain, and to ensure kind of the control and legitimacy of something. And so, you know, for a variety of reasons, Bell is for certification. And I think it helps us in a, you know, a wide variety of reasons. So again, I think it helps with better visibility to diverse owned businesses. And I think it creates a community for the corporations and the certified diverse suppliers that are, you know, part of this supplier diversity world. They're joined together by these certifying organizations. And then I also think from like a corporate standpoint, it kind of provides us like a rule book guidelines and framework, especially when it comes to reporting or even the projects that we put in place to expand our programs to the next level. It really helps us create kind of a standardized direction so that, you know, we're approaching it in a way that is going to be helpful and it's going to provide that longevity. And we're going to be on par with the other corporations that are also participating so that we can kind of tackle supplier diversity as a joint unit. Um, and create that consistency just to contribute to this bigger picture that I think we're all working towards. Okay. So that's, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> and there's a few, you know, I'm in the business of third party certification. There's a couple of things in there that I was like, okay, that, that, uh, you know, that makes sense, but isn't necessarily what I I'd heard before. So, um, so I guess, as you said, it's safe to say that Bell chooses third-party certification. Was there a time when they did uh, self-identification? And essentially the two is, you know, you're, you want to do work for Bell. They're like, and you say, I'm a diverse supplier and they can either, or a, any given company can say, uh, okay, we'll, we'll, um, we'll take you on your word that you are diverse and your business is 51% owned, operated by a diverse person. Or the other is, uh, okay, what we would like you to do is go get certification through one of these certifying bodies or as a part of the certifying body, the supplier is then identified to you. So Bell has chosen to do the certification piece. Was that always the case? Do you know? It was. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's because when we started our supplier diversity journey, we leaned on the certifying councils on how to build a program. Right. <laughs> how do you go yes. about this? Of course. Can, yeah. can you connect us? Where do we find <laughs> diverse suppliers? Like when you're, especially as a, at the beginning stages, it becomes really helpful to create that, that structure that's needed. Um, one of the things that we're, we're looking at is obviously the self-identified piece. There are either certain groups or certain mentalities, especially on the supplier side, which to a certain extent, I understand that they either are not ready for certification because they themselves don't feel safe or prepared to self-identify publicly as being mm -hmm. certified, which we want to be respectful of. And then there are also certain groups that might not feel the value or the need based on their business goals, based on their geographic location, based on the history that they feel with their, um, with their identity, depending on what we're talking about. And so internally we track self-identified spend. However, we treat it as a case-by-case -case basis, as an opportunity to kind of as like a, as an additional handout to be like, hey, did you know that 
certification exists? Do you know that these business tools exist for you to be able to add more value and you know kind of get additional support from these organizations? Do you know that it exists? Let us connect you and we'll take kind of a collaborative approach like that. We're not in the business necessarily of forcing businesses to, mm. to self-identify and get a stamp um, because I know that certain diversity groups there is still stigma that exists mm -hmm. and we can't be forcing people that doesn't work. And it's yeah. not ethical in that sense either. Um, however, we do want to create a culture and a place where we can talk about it, encourage it. And by doing that, demonstrate that we celebrate the certification. Mm -hmm. We want to be working with diverse businesses. So it's kind of this, this delicate dance between the two because certification for us allows you know, visibility, it allows our success stories. It helps us, create a message and, and push something internally at Bell to keep like building this culture. So it's, it's a delicate dance. So we approach both, but when it comes to like formal reporting, right. it will always be certified. Certified. Right. Okay. Cause we can count on it. I, I know for yeah. a fact that this is our spend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because those people have gone through the rigor of getting certified with one of the supplier councils. Yeah. And, and I mean, this, you know, there's, there's so much stigma and that's, that's the reason we even have these councils in the first place, right. Is because there's just so much stigma and people are afraid to, to, uh, and I, I, I like to use the words come out, but it's often only, uh, you know, addressing the LGBTQ2 plus uh, group. And really uh, there's so many of us that, I mean, I have an invisible disability. I'm very happy to talk about that. Now, if anyone ever wants to have that conversation with me, I'm right there. It's out in the open. I share it with everyone. I think that for me is a way to uh, keep it from, you know, really catching hold in my life. But there have been times where it totally was, you know, overwhelming in my life and I wasn't able to express that to anyone. I didn't have any work people that I could talk to, you know, uh, romantic relationships that didn't work very successfully, family that didn't really work. So these organizations can create a place for people also to feel uh, welcomed and supported as part of that diverse group. But I totally get the concept of them not even wanting to identify as part of that diverse group to begin with. And that makes me think, and I'm going to jot it down. I have a little book here that I have for my <laughs> things my podcast guests say that I want to follow up on. But there must be a way that as supply councils, we can su provide support to those organizations without them necessarily having to, uh, you know, open up about their particular diversity. So uh, anyway, let me just jot that down. Um, so yeah, so I, I really appreciate that thought. Now, but but when when you look at the overall concept of third party certification, are there cons? Are there things that you would like to see changed or improved, or outside of obviously the the stigma that we just talked about? Outside of that, uh, are there other reasons you think a supplier might not choose certification? I think there's potentially a perception of why would I need to prove this, mm -hmm. um, which I understand. However, if we think about the bigger picture, to me, it all comes back to visibility matters and like statistics mm -hmm. matter. Uh, like I am part of the LGBTQ plus community. And when I originally said that I wanted to get married, I had a family member go, just make sure that you're not getting married to just be a statistic of married people <sighs> in Canada. I loved it. <laughs> and I said, no, but that's the point. I want to be a statistic. Yeah. I want to add to the statistic of healthy marriages, successful yes. queer, you know, relationships. And, and so, um, 
being an LGBTQ plus woman for me, stats matter. And not everybody has the mentality, but if I was a, a business owner, I would want to contribute to those stats. And so from the corporate perspective, I'm looking forward to more and more businesses self-identifying and mm-hmm. feeling like they can be proud of their background and proud to bring all of their unique qualities to the table, whatever that may be. And so that corporations can jump on board. Cause I think it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> the more suppliers there are, the more corporates oh jump goodness. on board, the more corporates are, are on board and they, you know, show that they're in like involved and committed, the more suppliers feel like it's okay to self-identify. So it's a, it's a joint partnership, I think between the two. <laughs> Yes, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, that's my entire, you know, organization. Okay, I only have a small suppliers, but I, I, I need corporates. Oh, you know, you only have a couple of corporates, but they want supply. So yeah, I'm, I'm fully aware of, of that, that chicken and egg thing. What if someone would say to you, I, I don't want to pay the, the certification fee, which I think ra- ranges with our supply councils. Uh, I, and I could be wrong on this, but it's somewhere in the area of, I think, 450 up to 750 per year. And um, I know that our council allows people to pay, you know, smaller portions if that's something that makes them more comfortable. But what would you say to someone saying, oh my gosh, it's $500 a year or it's $750 a year? What are your I thoughts would say on that, that that's peanuts for, for the value that you're, <laughs> that you're getting. I mean, if you're, if you're truly in a place where you want your business to grow, you want to be working with corporates or you want access to uh, a market of other you know, small, medium, to, to all to large size, diverse businesses, and you want to be part of the community, to me, it's fully worth the investment of what, if you're going to, if you're willing to put the work in, you're willing to really invest yourself into this community. I think what it can offer you back in terms of your growth, your business, your sense of community, your sense of pride as a Canadian business owner, I think that it can be really, really incredible. And so uh, for me, I think it's fully worth um, the money and, and, genuinely too i know that there are corporations out there um that are you know willing to you know sponsor a year or there, there are partnerships that are starting to happen i think to help encourage diverse suppliers to get certified or at least to explore it to see if it's you know helpful for their business yeah i, I think i'm on the same page there i think that if people don't necessarily if they see that as a barrier they're, they're maybe not quite ready for the supplier diversity world it just it might not be time for them but on the other hand, let's look at this on the other scale, organizations that don't have any problem forking out 750 a year because they are so large. And I think this isn't a question that I prepared you for, but I'm sure you have an answer. Um, there is a, a, a sort of a myth surrounding supplier diversity and diverse uh, uh, business owners that all the organizations are small. And they're not, you know, they're just uh, one owner, you know, one employee, that kind of a thing. And so you work with a lot of diverse suppliers. What is your experience in terms of the, the, the level of revenue that these, these suppliers are generating in a year? I think it depends. I think, yes, there are quite a few. And just the nature of the criteria to be 51% owned, yeah. I think, sometimes can create that small to medium-sized business. However... I think there's a wide range. There's businesses that that produce a lot of value for large organizations. I think it depends on the service or product that the organization is providing. Um, and I think it really just, it's a case by case, but I think it's a, it's a slippery slope to go down if we're assuming that they're all small businesses and that, mm-hmm. you know, none of them are capable of doing work with, with large corporations. Uh, Cause it's just, it's not the case. 
Yes, I would agree. Um, you know, IWSCC, of course, we're the, the smallest of the supply councils being the newest, um, but we still have uh, organizations that are, you know, $100 million annual revenue. And, and sure, that's not huge, 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 but, you know, I'd be happy to own a company <laughs> that had that kind of revenue generated. And certainly they could, are capable of doing business with an organization the size of Bell. Yeah, and I think I think there's there's organizations too that that I'm learning. You know, again, we're working on our, our data enrichment and our, our our reporting processes, and I, I think we're learning more and more that oh, there there are diverse suppliers that are coming to the surface that we've been doing work with for years, and they just weren't mm. certified, so we had no mm-hmm. idea. And then we go, oh wait, actually, you're like a we're a loyal customer to you for multiple, <laughs> multiple years. Um, and so, I, again, I, visibility is, is everything, but I, I think it's uh, keeping an open mind to what this, I guess, supplier base looks like because it's, uh, it's full of value. So what has surprised you about the supplier diversity world as you've gotten to know it uh, much better? I think the thing that surprised me the most Again, I come from sport. I come from a very competitive environment. Mm. The part that surprised me was the lack of com- competitiveness in these spaces. Yeah. Um, it's wild to be at an event where you have a, a variety of large corporations or organizations that are, in some cases, com- like competitors to each other within a market. And we're there, we're sharing experiences, we're, we're working with each other, we're collaborating on pro- like. Uh, projects and programs just to make supplier diversity better. There's suppliers that I'll meet with. I'll have like a round table with like six or seven suppliers. If two of them offer similar services, instead of sensing this like competitive edge, I usually find them at the end of the conversation going, Hey, you do similar. We we should link up. We should learn from each other. We should partner up. And it's, it's really fascinating to be in this environment where it's, it's, this collective, I guess, mission and less of a com- competitive space. And I think that really surprised me, but pleasantly. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's a common response, actually. And, and we hear that often. I uh, Did you ever meet Karuba from RBC before he left? He yeah. would often say that, that supplier diversity is the only area in his entire life at RBC where all the banks get into the same room and cooperate with each other. And so, you know, he was saying it jokingly, but the reality is that there is that layer of support there, even amongst, you know, people that are competitively, openly competitive with each other. So, yeah, yeah, I would agree. It's a comfortable place to be. And and I think that's another bonus for suppliers considering certification is it's not a scary you know, cutthroat environment where if you say the wrong word and you, you know, your presentation isn't perfect, everyone's going to laugh and boo you out of the room. Like none of that happens. And mm-hmm. and I know with our matchmaking sessions that we do virtually, we, we're constantly making mistakes internally and, and, you know, we get a lot of laughs out of it. And, and so it's an enjoyable experience while you're still sort of learning about uh, each other's business. What would you like to see changed or improved in, in the supplier diversity world? I think from a Canadian landscape, supplier diversity has been growing very organically, which I think is positive because it means it's authentic. Right. Um, however, I am excited to be able to leverage some of the like newly evolving social progression and social pressure to kind of, I guess, like put wind in the sails of supplier diversity in Canada uh, so that we can 
move faster, move better and move bigger. I think, I think I'm looking forward to that because I, I think it's still very grassroots, you know, corporations working really, really hard, diverse suppliers working hard, the programming program managers working hard. Um, but I'm excited for a little bit of like external pressure and wind to just let us, you know, go full steam ahead. So what would that look like to you? Like, where would that come from? I think it would Again. come from government of Canada. I think it would mm-hmm. come from uh, like just general leaders within corporations. Um, and I think it comes from a general awareness of supplier diversity that exists so that instead of it solely coming from supplier diversity teams or the councils, there is like a, a knowledge that it exists within the Canadian landscape for just people. So that even employees, they're familiar with the concept and then they know that they can contribute to it as it's just as commonplace as terminology, as you know, diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging when it mm-hmm. comes to workforce. And it becomes mm-hmm. just as known as that so that we can kind of move forward and, and really have like a stronger impact. So we yeah, we have the Supplier Diversity Alliance Canada, which is four of the Supplier Diversity Councils that uh, work together. And we always laugh because we'd love to have like, you know, this fantastic budget so we could just do commercials everywhere because I think it would take something like that, right? Like a bunch of commercials Same. where people start to understand. Yeah. So wouldn't that be fantastic? So anyone out there listening, if you've got some bucks for us, we, 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 we want to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I know we talked about this a little bit before. I just want to ask you again, because it it sort of is on our list of questions and I jumped ahead and asked it to you, but ahead of time or earlier on, but tell us a bit more about if there's more you want to share about what led you to working in this type of of industry. But I'm also curious to know sort of where do you want to go from here? And, you know, that, that old question of where do you see yourself in five years, but, but, you know, what are your next steps? What do you, what do you want to do next? Um, I think what, it's funny in this space. I think everybody that you meet has some sort of story as to why they work in this industry. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. In corporate or supplier, there's always a story. And I think, uh, like for me, like I said, I did Taekwondo, and as a martial art, all of the values are centered around respect, dignity, hmm. belonging, kindness, and um, I remember as a kid, like being in a in a room full of people from all different walks of life, different experiences, different abilities, and all just working out together collectively. Even, you know, community competitions were accessible to everybody of all ages, of all abilities, of all backgrounds. And so I would look around and go, wow, what a wonderful world to live in. <laughs> and maybe I was naive or innocent or just hopeful. And uh, as I got older, I got good at the sport. <laughs> not only the martial art, but the sport. And uh, I quickly realized this like really strong sense of exclusion Uh when I'm talking about not only like women in leadership or just the diversity of people in leadership, but the diversity of the competitors or the competition categories that were available. And it was baffling to me how like the martial art and the sport could be so different. However, this sport is... You know, it's judged by people. The performance mm-hmm. is subjectively judged, you know, by people. <laughs> and so there's kind of like all this room for human error and bias mm-hmm. and discrimination. Um, and I think it was probably the first time in my life where I was able to like truly be acutely aware of my privilege, 
but in the same breath feel the burden of my you know closeted queer self as a woman mm. in a male-dominated sport and so kind of experiencing all of that it, it really like tore me up inside because <laughs> I, yeah. I i i couldn't like digest it and i couldn't accept that that was the way it was and it was kind of my rude awakening um and so i always promised myself that in my career as i grew up no matter what i would do i would try my best to contribute to something bigger and try to contribute to something that was going to make the world a little more kind i suppose mm. <laughs> um so hence my my career choice um but like obviously i'm very young in this space i'm, I'm usually one of the younger people in the room at these right. supplier diversity <laughs> events yeah. Yeah. um it's it's no secret and uh i'm just grateful to be surrounded by so many incredible people that i look up to in this space that have either you know had a lot of experience in procurement and are new to supplier diversity or that have been doing supplier diversity for such a long time and um yeah, I just, I look up to them so much and I hope that one day, years from now, I'll still be doing this and there's going to be some uh, other, you know, young, <laughs> young person yep. that comes into this career and they're going to go, Hey, who are you? And I'll be like, I was you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll take care of you, young Padawan. <laughs> yeah. Like sit down, be humble and, and stay patient, like buckle yeah. up. <laughs> You're in for a long ride. It's a, it's a good one though. <laughs> Well, uh, Laurie Benson from EY is retiring in December, and we had a conversation yesterday. Yes. Oh, you didn't know? Yes, yes. Laurie's well. one of the main people that I looked up to. That's, I uh, know, so I'm get it all now because she's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of us feeling that way. And so she's, she's very torn about the idea of, you know, the, the retirement and she's done, you know, we talked yesterday, she's done so many things in her career, all in this space. And, and so I think that's a fantastic uh, goal for you, uh, Kayla, I think that's, you know, and I'm happy to hear that because, <laughs> because I plan to be around for a little while too, so <laughs> we can continue to work together. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to come here and chat with us and, and I've gotten to learn more about you and uh, so cool. I, I just, I'd love to chat a lot longer, but I realize we're hitting the end of our time. So I really appreciate you being here. Thank you again. And, and thank you for your thoughts on the third party certification. It is something that's very important, of course, to supply councils, because we're the ones who do that. And so I, I really appreciate your, your support for it, frankly. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And, and thank you to you know you and your team and your organization for all the work that you're doing. It's, uh, it's inspiring. It's important. And uh, yeah, thank you. All right. I'll take that. Thank you so much. <laughs> and for everyone uh, listening, thank you uh, for joining us today for more supplier diversity content. Of course, check us out at iwscc.ca. You can find us on YouTube where we're slowly adding more videos uh, or listen in on your favorite podcast platform. So we have new episodes every two weeks or so uh, and a ton more going on as an organization. So also be sure to follow our social media uh, for all of the updates. Thank you again for being here and we we will see you next time.